1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News and Manchester is Red after United's stunning 2-0 win over City in the Derby at the Etihad. We'll obviously discuss that game in depth. Uh, and look ahead to this week, this week's Europa League tie against AC Milan. Talk about whether United are still in the title race, whether that even matters after a win like that. Maybe they should just enjoy the, the victory as it was. Samuel Lockhurst and Tyron Marshall, you've both joined me. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And Samuel, you were at the Etihad on Sunday afternoon to to witness something that I don't think many of us expected I wasn't on the podcast on Friday, but I can't imagine the pre-match predictions were for a 2-0 United win uh, in that fashion.
2: I don't think many people saw it coming at all. And from United's perspective, it was just as well. They passed on the front foot. They they caught City cold. They they could have been sooner up inside the first five minutes. And I think really the whole win was was just underpinned by, in recent weeks, which has been the defence, as Solskjaer touched upon it before the game. The, the narrative has recently been change, changed to their, their lack of goals, when previously it was about their their inability to defend, or certainly how unconvincing they looked. But Lindelof has that tendency to to perform against the elite. Harry Maguire, I don't think he's played better in, in many other games for United. I thought he was colossal. And just, it, they were helped in fairness in that City completely just didn't use Sergio Aguero when I thought City's best moments in the second half when those crosses were going uh, going in, going across the Henson's goal. They were, they were ripe for Aguero to be there to get on the end of them and they, they didn't bother using him. Phil Foden, again, I think it's going to be a recurring theme until he's 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 an absolute regular at City. Why, why is he on the bench? Because he should be starting uh, in games like that. He gave Aaron Wan-Bissaka a much tougher time than Raheem Sterling ever has, and I know though that that duel is quite absorbing. And Wan-Bissaka had Sterling's number again yesterday. And and Luke Shaw, I I, I think there's a compelling case that he's been United's best player this season. He's He's been excellent. It's probably been excellent for upwards of a year. He had a very iffy start to this season and he was extremely lucky not to get sent off in that 6-1 trance by Tottenham. And I think maybe Anthony Taylor, being the referee being lenient on him that day, that's that's been a turning point. I, I know Marshall got the man of the match from from Gary Neville and I, I think that was maybe overdoing it a bit. I think had Marshall maybe taken one of those two chances, there would have been a, a greater case for that. But he, there were parts of the game where he did look like United number 9. United attacking in the first half was actually very unconvincing in the second half they looked a lot more threatening on the counter and that was chiefly down to Marshall dropping off bringing others into play and United motoring up the pitch so it, it was a fabulous win it's you know solskjaer got an excellent record against Guardiola they need to ensure they've laid down a marker with that win though uh, I, I suspect in time it might just be one of those anomalous derby wins and United don't properly building it as they failed to do so in in 2018 when they they came from 2-0 down and 1-3-2. But they've got to make a real fist of it now uh, going into next season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I could maybe go into detail about the individual performances uh, in a a while. But Tyrone, the the approach from Solskjaer, we've, we've seen... 0-0 draws galore in big games this season. We've seen the handbrake very much on. I think Gary Neville said it on commentary that the Chelsea game scenes about three years ago, such as how it faded from memory as quickly as it did. But this was an altogether different approach from from Solskjaer and it, it paid off. Almost in the style of last season's derby, but but maybe even better than that in terms of how United pressed and and p- played the ball around a, a bit better.
0: Yeah, I think it was a more all-round performance than either of the two wins at the Etihad last year. I think they showed more sides to their game. It, it, I mean, it was a different game, but it was undeniably helped by the fact that United won a penalty inside the first forty seconds. That that set the tone, and we didn't really have a chance for the game to settle before that, and that inevitably changed it. But I think the way United went about it was was more impressive it's interesting that Solskjaer answered a question in his press conference on Friday about the the stream of nil-nil draws against big six sides this season and put it down to United being more aggressive which I think raised a few eyebrows at the time but he he was talking about sort of the the press and and how they've tried to press more and press higher up the pitch this season which you could see against Chelsea last week and you could see very clearly against City and I think it was more of a surprise against City considering you know they've got pace going forward and and Chelsea with Giroud didn't really but you know they did defend with a higher line they did try and press the the chance for sure in the 3rd or 4th minute came about through united losing the ball and then winning it back very quickly and it, it, it looked a much better performance, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, than the, the Derby win there last year. The, the league win last year when they were two in a lot was spectacular for that kind of 10-minute spell where they just thought they were like, going to score every time they attacked. But they had to do a lot of defending that day. And, and they probably had to do a lot of defending yesterday. It, it, they never really felt under immense pressure. Henderson didn't have loads no. to do in terms of, you know, incredible saves. Everything he did was routine, which which he made look routine. But, you know, they just they defended very well. I thought second half, they were, they were really good. You know, they could have... They had started to sit back in the first half. Second half, they might have expected to be under pressure, but they really took the game to City in the second half. They, they strong passes together. They controlled large parts of the game. And I thought it was a 45-minute performance, the second half especially, was was excellent.
1: And absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned Dean Henderson there, Ty, and it, 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 remiss not to talk about him. Samuel played a key role in the in the Luke Shaw goal in the second half. Like Ty said, he did he did routine stops, didn't have to do anything particularly spectacular, but... There's a growing argument, as we've said, obviously, on this podcast a few times before, but it seems stronger than ever now that the argument that, that Henderson retains that number one shirt.
2: Yes, it was, a, it was a bad day for the anglophobic contingent of United supporters, that you had Henderson to Shaw, Shaw to Rashford and Shaw scoring, uh, you had an Englishman at right back, an Englishman at centre back, a Scott in midfield, a Welshman on the wing, I mean, it's it's almost you might as well just write off the, the whole victory for United for, for that contingent <laughs> of supporters, but I, I mean, people have, have been I think the interesting thing, or well, not interesting but the surreal thing when online crazies who accuse you of having an agenda against a player is that they don't know what the word agenda actually means. Henderson has shown over the last week why he should have probably started the season for United. Two clean sheets, a couple of big saves. I know the Van Aanholt one. Van Aanholt probably would have been flagged or found offside on through the VAR, but nobody knew it was offside at the time. And the way he spread himself, that kind of save, you don't really associate De Gea with doing that, particularly given the way you can see those goals against Leipzig and Everton this season. Fortunately for Henderson uh, De Gea made his paternity leave request. At the birth of his daughter, thankfully, she's been born uh, happy and well. Has coincided with a pretty critical period in United season, and it just happened to come in a week where they had back-to-back league games, which has been a while given that they've had the Europa League restarting and, and the cup. And and Henderson's not not had that prodigal season of starting back-to-back league games and to get two clean sheets and away games at Palace and City. It's you know it's a huge feather in cap now and as as Ty said I think the shots that he he dealt with they were they were routine they weren't difficult but the throw out to Shaw it was like watching Schmeichel and Irwin from yesteryear it was just I I know Cancelo really sold himself short you don't really see that from Cancelo very often where he gets done by by someone and it was as much done he was as much done by himself as by Shaw's touch inside but it was still a key contribution from a goalkeeper and you don't see De Gea do that. Uh, and I think there was a kick in the early in the first half where Henderson played it out to the left, where again you think you know, De Gea doesn't do that, and as I've said before, De Gea at his peak during that four-year period, nobody else was there with him, he was absolutely peerless, but you probably go, but trace it back to the World Cup in Spain, where he had a very difficult time. He's not really looked the same keeper. Henderson turns 24 this month. He's had a pretty good season when he's come in for United. I think it's nine clean sheets in 14 starts, and he'd really have to drop the ball now over these next four games to to lose his place. I think it's it's yeah, you know, it's it's quite fortunate for Solskjaer in that it's taken a paternity leave request from one of the goalkeepers for him to actually. Give Henderson a sustained run of games, and you can make the argument that in the Europa League and the FA Cup, those are competitions reserved for him anyway. It's maybe only the league games he wouldn't have played in. But it's those league games that Henderson has really uh, stepped up in. And that that was always the caveat, I suppose, and that as, as we've seen with Sergio Romero, you can easily you know, rack up as many clean sheets to, enough clean sheets to open your own laundrette in the Europa League and the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. It's really how you fare in the Premier League. And for Henderson, I think he's, he's probably, he's, he's unbeaten when he's played in the league for United. I know he had a, an issue with the, The error against Sheffield United, but he recovered well from that. And to play the way he did at City uh, will will have done him the power of good. And as as I said, I, I really don't see unless he has a really difficult time over the next couple of weeks. I just don't see De Gea starting ahead of him when the season resumes after the March internationals.
1: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. And again, interesting if uh, if Henderson does play for England, and obviously he wants to push his case for the Euros coming up in the summer. That'll be one to watch out for. I guess Luke Shaw will will feel like he deserves a inclusion in the in the Euro squad as well after uh, catching the eye over recent months. Ty, we mentioned Martial before. But I guess he's the other big talking point. At his performance level completely unexpected. I guess given recent form. I think there were a few sides from United fans when they saw that he was starting and Cavani was indeed injured as reported, as we had reported, in fact, before the game. Daniel James played. Martial really, he gave the kind of performance where this is the Martial that we we, we knew last season. This is the Martial that Solskjaer has put so much faith in, the one that was prepared to replace Lombard lukaku when he left he was prepared to carry the can united's number nine he's not back i think he's probably a bit too soon to say that he's back but is that a, a really hopeful performance for him
0: yeah i think so i think it's it it's a positive step forward it, it was almost like winning that penalty in the first 40 seconds just triggered something in him and, and completely sort of changed changed his, his confidence he's always been he's always looked a real confidence player and when he's got the belief of people around him the belief in himself he looks a really good player but recently you know he gets a lot of criticism for his body language and, and a perceived lack of effort and I think a lot of that is down to, to confidence when he's when he's out of, out of form and, and short on confidence he, he looks like one of those players who's just got the weight of the world on his shoulders and, and it shows really yesterday was it was a huge change and, and like I say it was like winning that penalty just just clicked for him and he was excellent he should have taken one of those chances especially the one that McTominay forced the ball through to him that would have put United 3-0 up and you know that's the type of chance that a centre forward really should be taking but aside from that I thought it was really good there was one moment where he won the ball in midfield and I think Rodri and Stones had had a go at him and he just shoved them both off and it was you know the kind of strength that you just so rarely see from Martial and especially with I think it was Stones who had the second niggle at him and he just sort of moved into him and just threw him to the ground and it was the drive and the purpose
1: as well that we've we've not really been seeing from
0: him so unexpected that what he has to do is is put that all together and, and produce it week in week out because I think there's you know there's still obvious question marks there he's still only scored twice in his last 16 games and, and both of them were against Southampton at a stage of the game where any of us three could have come on and scored it at, at centre forward in that game so you know he, he's still got to put it all together in, in in over a consistent spell I still think there's concerns at centre forward for United going forward we don't know the exact extent of, of Cavani's injury, but he's 34 and we have picked up two injuries in the space of a few weeks for, for a player who's just turned 34 is obviously going to be concerning, even though we know his fitness record is is generally very good and, and has been very good. He is of an age where these things can can take longer to get over and, and one injury can lead to another. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was playing on Solskjaer's mind and United's mind going forward and, and looking at an extension and, and seeing how he recovers and how his fitness bears up. I think it would be a risk to go into next season with, with Cavani and and martiality centre forwards. It's obvious either this year or next year United need to sign a, a world class number nine. They could put it off by extending Cavani's deal for another year, but you wonder if the, the time has come to, to grasp the nettle really and, and and do it this year. But you know, I, I'm still not sure Martial is the long term answer. There and I don't think you know one swallow makes a summer, but it was certainly a, a much more impressive performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point on Cavani as well about his contracts and his fitness, and we'll have to see how that one plays out. There's obviously a little bit of uh, concern with his recent niggles, like you say. And that's that comment about us three scoring against Southampton. You can tell how, <laughs> how long it's been since we all play five aside make a comment <laughs> like that to come out, but um, we shall see, I guess, in the coming months. Uh, Samuel, attacking wise, more generally, though, this this was. Departure really from recent United performances. It has been so stagnant, hasn't it, in, in recent games? And we were there at the, the Real Sociedad second leg, which is a complete non-event. And and then the Chelsea and Palace games were, were frustrating. It, it it's not just Martial who's been underperforming up front. It's been the whole whole troika of forwards really. So how do United sort of harness what they did against City and take that forward now? Because that's obviously the the most important thing between now and the end of the season.
2: Well, that that was what was quite paradoxical about it in that. Obviously, they they scored twice to win, and the the striker got man the match. But I, I just felt as though it was a win that was underpinned by by the defence. I thought the back five were superb; they barely did anything wrong. Uh, Luke Shaw, as I said, he's I I'd, if I had to vote for him as like player of the year now, or if you were voting for United player of the year now, he'd probably get my vote. Even though I think it's probably predictable that Fernandez will keep the Samat Busby statue in his in his flat for another year, but Shaw. Is is I remember I did a piece about it must have been about four and a half years ago now, and I said that United should be looking to you know, build their defence around him, which is maybe an unusual thing to say because normally it's around a centre back or a centre back partnership. But they do seem to be doing that at the moment because the way he gets forward, he he is he has become over the last year a modern fallback in that he's effectively playing as a winger. He's such a proactive attacker. There was one charge he went in embarked on yesterday where he was actually going through the middle. And you, and, you know, I heard the, Roberto Carlos mentioned he, he was playing that well. So al- although United obviously won very well, and had, as Ty said, I thought in the second half, their attacking play was a lot more refined, whereas in the first half, I thought Tomlin and Fred were actually pretty poor. I don't think they actually closed down City as diligently as they have done in the past, and their use of the ball wasn't great. Rashford overall... I, Again, I think he's probably a nice a sports performer for the second game running. I know he's carrying an injury and his, his PR lot were very quick to point out after the Palace game that he was carrying an injury, which, which didn't really come as, as much of a surprise. And Daniel James wasn't particularly effective on the ball, but he maybe just, just about justified his presence with what he did off the ball because he's such a selfless runner. So I think the attacking side of it, you can kind of just dismiss really Uh, going into the next couple of games. I don't think that has much of a bearing on what United do against AC Milan or West Ham or even Leicester looking ahead to next week in the Cup. Um, It's just that the defensive work was, was extremely impressive for a team that defended the way they did just three weeks previously. At West Brom, and I think we have to be consistent with these things. I don't think anybody's saying that United don't need a centre back now, and they don't need a centre forward now. They they still do need uh, players for those positions. They need upgrades on what they have currently. Because as I said, I think if anything, with Lindelof, because he has had that knack of performing so well against Ronaldo or Mbappe or Guardiola City. I suppose the frustration there is that he doesn't do it against someone like Umbe Diang uh, at West Brom. He just gets completely bullied by him. Johnny Evans used to be like that. Johnny Evans's best games for United were probably against Didier Drogba, who I know he was a very physical player, but he had an awful lot of silk to go with the steel. And Evans had other good games against uh, the elite. You know, someone like Fernando Torres, he could he could pocket him. But I remember he, he was once asked who his toughest opponent was, and he said Rob Hulse. And for those who don't know, Rob Pulse, Rob Pulse was, he played for Derby and I think he was playing for Derby when they were, they might even have been relegated that season in 2008, but you, he's more, he's just renowned or not even renowned, he's just known for being a football league player yet he was the one who could do a number on Johnny Evans and if ever you had a phys- if ever United were come up against a physical team you knew that Evans was not the player to pick uh, and that's probably the case with Lindelof as well which is why by probably should be playing more often in the league games especially when United are up against a team that have got a physical figurehead
1: Yeah and it comes back to the attacking comments that I said and how United sitting deep against City that benefits uh, Maguire and Lindelof that have quite the pace that someone like Eric Bailly does United are able to counter attack, which we know is is their massive strength. And um, so, Ty, I'll come to you and, and ask how, how, in a more general sense, United take forward this maybe the momentum or or the at least the, the sort of tactical patterns and the, the confidence from the City game into some pretty crucial games ahead. You know, FA Cup quarter final. Two-legged like, game against AC Milan, some vital league games if they're going to, you know, rubber stamp second, which is probably the aim now between the end of the season domestically. What what can they do
0: from this? How can they how can they build on it? I mean it's it's hard to say really. It it was an impressive performance, but we've seen, you know, we know by now that South United teams against any team really can produce a big 90 minutes and a big result. Now, for a manager who's so often derided, some of the the scalps he's got are, are mightily impressive. You know, to win three games in 15 months at the Etihad against Guardiola is is incredible. He's beaten Tuchel's PSG, Ancelotti, um, you know, Nagelsmann earlier in the the season at RB Leipzig, although obviously that all went wrong in the end in, in the Champions League. It, it's about doing it on a consistent basis. Now, you, you wouldn't be surprised if United got past AC Milan. I think this. This record of doing it in one off games, shows in their their cup record as well. I know they've folded at the semi final stage consistently, but they've also consistently reached the semi final stage of of cup competition. So their record in in one off games is impressive, but they they need to be doing it across a full 38 game season and and doing it on a more consistent basis. And I think, you know, Maguire said, Harry Maguire said in his MUTV interview after the game yesterday that we're far from the finished article, and that's probably still the case. But the only way they're going to get there. Is by investments and, and signings really, and I think the summer is is the big turning point, the big point for that. You know, the, the title has gone. This was a. This was a win for bragging rights, a win to stop City getting that record of of successive wins. But in terms of a a title race, you know, it's not going to stop City winning the league. It it should help United finish second after their recent wobbles. You'd like to think they'd kick on from here. If they can win the Europa League or the FA Cup and finish second, then I think that'll be an excellent season. If they can finish second and end up without silverware, I still think that's a a pretty decent season. But they have to build on it again next year. It's going to be eight years without a title. To win the league now with what City are doing, we don't know if Liverpool will come again next year, but it's City that have set the standard. You need to win at least 30 of 38 Premier League games, maybe 32 out of 38. And this United, although they can beat City two, three times a season, they don't look like they can win 32 or 38 Premier League games. They've drawn at Palace recently, they've drawn at West Brom, they've lost at home to Sheffield United. They need to be winning games on a consistent basis and winning games against every team, not just producing a big 90 minutes in the derby. And, I think the next that's the next challenge for for Solskjaer. And I think the only way you achieve that is by getting a squad that is comparable to City you're obviously not going to get a squad as good as cities, given the, the money they've spent, the resources they've got. But I think you, you get as close as you possibly can. And I think to do that, you probably need to spend another £150, £200 million in the transfer market. you, you know, to, to complete that squad, I think you may be looking at, at five players in a right-back, centre-back, maybe a centre-mid, right-winger and, and centre-forward. And three of those, you may be thinking, a first-team players. I don't think United will get all of them this Summer and I think it's going to be a cautious window end, but I think you know th- this result has perhaps shown evidence that that maybe they should just try and find 50 million quid on the back of the sofa and, and throw a bit more at it this summer and, and back Solskjaer and, and go in for that centre forward and that centre back and and try and get to that next step because before you know it, it it could be 10 years without winning the title given the standards City are setting and, and what United need to do to get there.
1: I was going to say yeah that was, sounds like a very adventurous and ambitious battle plan there, Ty. It, 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 we'll have to see whether that does bear fruit in the summer. It might be another COVID-affected summer financially uh, from a United point of view anyway. And and just to put into context what, what Ty just said there, maybe you do need to win 30 games out of 38. United have dropped points in 13 uh, of their 28 games and won the other 15 this season. So like, like we've said before on the podcast, inconsistencies are absolutely rife in this this team and will probably continue to, to be so. AC Milan on Thursday night though, Samuel, um, change of pace, change of team probably from, from Solskjaer, but it's a tie really that demands a certain strength of United side. You can't be playing the the kids against AC Milan. It's it's a it's a famous European tie. So, how do United approach this one? Obviously, with with another league game around the corner. Or, or should I say, um, there's a oh yeah, those league game, isn't there? It's West Ham, and then it's uh, Leicester the week after. So, but how do United approach these two Milan ties in terms of strength of team?
2: Well, I think one of the issues with Solskjaer recently is that his his rotation skills have been lacking a bit in the, certainly the Sociedad game, but the team was preposterously strong why he was even bringing on Rashford at halftime. It, 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 I know he tried to vindicate, say it was vindicated afterwards because Sociedad had started so well, but I think the flip side to that is that if you play players who have Got a point to prove, then you might get a bit more intensity from your play rather than those who are just bound to go through the motions again. And it's it's clear, certainly with his selections at Palace, that certain players were being held back for the derby. And McTomney and James, McTomney did not look fully fit in the derby again. Uh, there was certainly a breakaway United had in the first half where it wasn't just them losing the ball that stopped McTominay and his, his track. It like, looked like he was carrying an injury of some sort. And that might have obviously had a, a that would have doubtless hampered his, his overall performance. Because in the first half, I think he, he did seem to struggle in that maelstrom, particularly when City were looking very, very likely to, to get an equaliser. So you're probably going to see Matic come in. You know, Do- Donny van der Beek fit or not fit, he just seems an absolute relevance at the moment and his camp aren't really doing themselves any favours in terms of trying to actually get people on side or try and give them a boost. It's, it's all very apathetic with, with Van der Beek. I, I, can't, I can't quite figure it out, really. You, know, you look at Dutch players in the past and they've had a personality or, or certainly an arrogance about them that they've not lacked but he just again I said about going through the motions earlier he, he seems like someone who is going through the motions who's who's not even playing so in terms of the rotation with, with Milan obviously Rashford there will probably be a question mark over with with the injury he came off with at, at City but he has played far too much football already this season I think Solskjaer must be hoping that he's, he's not fit enough for England It's it's almost worth not playing him over these next four games just to ensure that he doesn't go away on England duty. England have got three games so that's what four games with the United, games with England, if he was to play in all those games he'll have played 50 games this season and that might be, I'm not too sure when the clocks go go forward again but if if you're playing that amount of games before the clocks go forward that's, that's just ridiculous and it's going to catch up with him later on in his career. We've seen it with other brilliant players who've Brilliant forwards, English forwards who burst on the stage like Rooney and Owen. That there's there's a period where they just they're pretty unrecognisable from the players they were as as teenagers. So United have got to mash, manage Rashford a lot more carefully. And I think even if he's you know, match fit, I think it's maybe a game that you you keep him on the bench for. But. It is a competition United want to win and I know Solskjaer, for him last season it was easier to, to manage it at that stage of the competition in the Europa League because they had Bruges and they had Linz. This time they've had a couple of teams who have come from the, the, the big five leagues, so you have to treat them with a lot more respect and that balancing act is, is quite difficult, but it's it's manageable. I think United's squad depth is is still pretty good, even though it's pretty clear that of those Twenty-three players involved in that core squad. There are some of them he just doesn't trust at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's not get too much into this next international break because I, I could get started on on how necessary I think that is and, and whether it's good for the world and for the players. But I guess Ty, a lot of the selection issues on Thursday night will depend on fitness and injuries. United's bench at City at the weekend didn't look the strongest. Really, we, we consider that uh, Shaw Tyre was there and Twanzebu Williams, Ahmad, Lee Grant you know, we haven't seen the likes of Pogba, Van der Beek, Cavani, United, I'm not going to use the Harry Redknapp down to the bare bones phrase, but it may depend on injuries and fitness, how much they can rotate. So there there will be strain on some players going into the next couple of games.
0: Yeah, certainly in attacking areas. I mean, if Cavani and Rashford are out, then the front three basically picks itself, doesn't it? Of James Greenwood and Martial with Ahmad and Shorty on the bench. But I think realistically, we're unlikely to see them with with the game in the balance. Um, It it certainly seems that way in the moment. And, And I guess you can kind of, understand. Understand that, although I think there's, there's certainly an argument for, for bringing Ahmad on it against Crystal Palace. Um, and again, in midfield, like like Samuel says, I mean, the only option really is to bring Matic in at the moment. Pogba's not going to be fit. Van der Beek has, has gone missing. So, really, in, in midfield and attack, you're you potentially only really looking at one first team option on the bench with with maybe Matic coming in from McTominay. Beyond that, if the injuries are what we expect and if Rashford is struggling and Cavani is struggling, then options are severely limited. You can make changes at the back. But again, it might only be Bailly coming in for, to, give, to give Lindelof a rest, perhaps. It, it's pretty clear that there's not a right-back in the squad who is considered fit to lace wan boots, you could play Tales, but I think Shaw has just been so good recently and, and is so far ahead of him that, you know, you, against a team like AC Milan, you probably have to play Shaw. So I think, you know, ro- ro- I think Solskjaer has missed his chance, really, in, in terms of rotation. The option is not really there now, given injuries. Rotation should have probably happened earlier in the season, certainly in that second leg against Sociedad. So I think the, the chance has gone for that and injuries will, will certainly play a big, a big part in the team he can pick on Thursday night.
1: Yeah, United will certainly be hoping for a, a decent win if they can get one and maybe rest players in the second leg in an ideal scenario uh we'll have to see how that one pans out i will ask you both for for a prediction for this ac milan game it's a, a tantalizing uh clash in many ways to i guess you might say fallen giants of, of european football what, what do you think samuel milan an interesting prospect
2: it, it is and it is isn't. it's a shame that it's it's a game that's come with uh, stadium still empty i mean the history between the clubs is is immense just going off there uh, the the matches they've had going back to 1958 and by like, the semi final united somehow all those weeks after the been decimated by the Munich air disaster actually beating Milan in, in the first leg just I, I can't imagine what the, the emotion must have been at the, at the stadium that night you know I'd, I'd love to hear people's tales from it uh, and obviously more recently yeah, the green and gold protest and David Beckham doing his uh, get his PR mode by picking up the scarf but mm-hmm. then not not denouncing the glazers afterwards you know that's that that is unfortunately Beckham you know I think deep down is he's, he's clearly a lovely lad but there's something very hollow about him these days. He's he's become so PR massage. But that was that was a very uh, uplifting night, and of course it was after United actually won at the Sun zero for the first time. So it, it is going to feel very very hollow compared to those previous meetings and you know the tales that the players who are involved in those games can can regale you with. But and and also Milan, there's just not as much as much glitz and glamour about Milan as as there used to be, certainly in the last couple of times when when Ferguson's United came up against them, there were always some huge, huge names, whether it was Gattuso, Pirlo, Kaká, Seydorff, even in that 4-0 when United had Ronaldinho was playing at Old Trafford, and you had the pull of Beckham still then as well, and I don't know, is is he definitely out, or he's certainly a doubt for the game, but... Even that, it doesn't feel quite as seismic as it should be uh, because there's there's not going to be a crowd to give him uh, the send off that he deserved because we said before it ended pretty disastrously for him coming off at half-time against Burnley on on Boxing Day. Like it's, it's funny how nobody ever mentions that, or Ibrahimovic certainly doesn't mention that when he talks about how he hmm. he conquered England when he came
1: to United. When let's, doesn't let's suit face the it, lion he, narrative really, does it? That one? No,
2: he, let's face it, he didn't really conquer England with United. The second season was a complete complete disaster and in the first one um, he, he was brilliant but unfortunately it was curtailed by by him doing his ACL so yeah you know, it's a level playing field I suppose with crowdless stadiums so I'd go with 1-1 one, one with the first leg.
1: Interesting yeah Ty would you, you agree with that obviously um, I think all Samuel's points are pretty fair and, and there was that slight hole feeling even after the, the derby win I think for United fans that they couldn't be there at the Etihad celebrating and you know they couldn't really rub their, their neighbours uh, noses in it really but I guess this, this Milan tie has the same field. Do, do you have the same prediction as well?
0: Yeah, I was going to say one, one or two, one to either team. I, I can see it being a, a tight game. Milan, Milan are having a good season in, in Serie A rather. I mean, there are obvious similarities really, and that they are probably the two, the two biggest clubs, I suppose, in, in their domestic leagues who, who have struggled recently. Both are, are on their way back this season. and probably going to finish second, but the gloss are taken off that by the fact that both of them are going to see their biggest rivals or their city rivals win the league. So there are obvious similarities. Um, There'll be no Zlatan, but I suppose it'd be interesting to see how Diogo Dallo's doing. I think he scored in in Serie A yesterday. You know, United could probably have done with him, as poor as he was at the end of last season, to take some some pressure off Wan Bissaka this season. So it'd be intriguing to see how how he gets on. That'd be an interesting sub block. But I think it would be two very tight um, legs, and I can see I can see this being one one or two one either way.
1: Some thrilling predictions there from our MEN pundits for a Thursday night, Ty. Uh, well, let's hope it is a, at least an entertaining one. Uh, anything but another nil-nil would probably be uh, be fine at this stage uh, after United's run last week. But there you go. Derby win and Europa League preparation for this week for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. Thank you, Samuel and Ty, for your uh, contributions to this podcast today.
0: Thank, Thank you. Sir. Cheers,
1: Dom. And we'll be back with another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast very soon. Don't forget to leave us a like or a subscribe, or both would be very nice as well. And we'll be back with you very soon.